Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Thank you, Pastor Day. Thank you, Jess, for that awesome encouragement. I'm excited. Anybody excited? It is a good day, and um, we didn't we didn't really plan it this way, but I love how it's lining up with this series that we're starting today. As you see this here, our new sermon series, In His Image. We are all made in the beautiful image of Christ, every one of us here in this building. Amen? Come on, look around. Tell somebody you are made in the image of God. Tell at least two more people that. At least two more people. You are made in the image of God. You are, you are, you are. And I'm excited. I'm excited for this series. Today we're going to lay the groundwork for this. Uh, this series, and um, the, the groundwork for our godly natures and who we are created to be, whose image we were created in. And um, I believe the Lord's going to do powerful things over the next four weeks. Amen? Powerful, powerful things. And um, I, was, I was musing on a quote from a Greek philosopher, Aristotle, and he says this. He says, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And as I'm thinking on that, you know, instantly that part of me is like, well, what did, I know what the Word of God says. In Proverbs 9.10, it says that the fear of the Lord is the begin, beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And as I was thinking of this in this context of this morning, that knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, that as we understand the design of God, of humanity, of you and I, it's almost like we are also understanding ourselves. There's, there's this, this impartation of wisdom, if you will, because we're understanding the unique, unique design and purpose that God has made as he's made us in his image. Are y'all tracking with me? And so there's, there's kind of beauty in this, and there's some, some, some cool truths in this. So we're going to jump right in into the Word of God. I got my new Bible today, so it's quite hefty. So I was like, I'm going to try the, the headset mic today because I feel like I need both hands for this thing. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. We can't preach on being made in his image without opening the book of Genesis. <laughs> it would be, be weird, to be honest. As you're turning there, you should get there quickly. It's chapter 1. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you have for us. God, I thank you for this community. I thank you for this month that we're celebrating. Let it be rich for all of us, for all members of this community. Let it be a rich month as we dive into this series, as we celebrate our African-American brothers and sisters, all of it, Lord. Let it just be a rich, beautiful time as you continue to bind us together as your beautiful bride in the triangle. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. Amen. We're going to read... Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. Say, in his own image. In the image of God. In the image of who? 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I'm contemplating and thinking through this verse as we're approaching this series. And I'm thinking of the fact that God, he could have made us into any sort of design. Like he is, he is creativity embodied. Am I right? Like, has anybody, do I got any Planet Earth fans in the room? A few, man, man, I was, I'm a bit sad. I don't know. I don't even know if I can preach anymore. It's so good. But you watch Planet Earth or you watch some nature show and you just see like the plethora of species of birds alone. And you are mesmerized, like at every single species. I know, Duncan, you were a big fan when you were younger of butterflies and like the uniqueness of every single butterfly, of every single bird, of every single creature, plant. Like, I just sit there and all, all despite David Attenborough talking all about evolution and all this, all I'm doing is being like, wow, God. <laughs> when I watch planet Earth, I'm like, God, you are you are mesmerizing. Like, the fact that you created all this, he is the, the embodiment of creativity. It's like without him, there is no creativity. There is nothing. We know that. But there's definitely no creativity. And we are the lucky ones on day six of the creation narrative that he chooses us and he chooses to fashion us in his image. How beautiful. Have you, have you pondered that recently? That we're the ones he decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this being, this person in my very image, in my likeness. And so that's just what he does. You can brag to your neighbor, I'm made in the image of God. Even though you already told them they were too. So, And the very next thing he does in that verse, he says, I'm going to make them in my image. And then he, he speaks over the things that they'll rule and reign over, the earth and the birds and the beasts and the, the land. Because they're... Their identity, their design, spoke to their authority. Their authority, our authority as believers, comes as a direct result of our design. Are you all with me? Because of him in whose image we were created, we understand our authority. And I love this. It's like we can often get this kind of the other way around and we can start to puff out our chests and walk in pride and think, well, I'm, I'm amazing. I'm awesome. I'm the best thing ever. And sometimes we can kind of get it flipped around a little bit. And it's like, well, you are, but it's because of him. <laughs> and the, the royal family, if you're born into the royal family, you're not, you're not, you're not born with, into this authority out of some sort of merit. You're born into it because of your parentage. And it's the same here. It's like we were born into this beautiful family of God. We were born into royalty, exactly. I love it. Now turn with me to Genesis 2. Genesis 2, verse 7. We read this recently at the conference, but I, I want to bring it up again because we just have to. We're going to talk about being made in His image. Genesis 2, verse 7 says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, say the dust of the ground, and breathed life into his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living being. 
Again, there's this, there's this context here that we were made out of the most basic element imaginable. You were formed from dust. And when I think of dust, I don't think of something spectacular. I don't think of like, wow, how incredible God chose this thing to, to form us from, to make us from. I think of really, God, <laughs> dust. Dust, you're going you're gonna to form us out of dust. But it's the breath of God breathed into man that, that makes man a living being. Are y'all with me? Again, it is the being, it is the breath of God, it is the image in whom we were created that gives us authority, that, that, that means you were born into royalty, that means you were born to rule and to reign. And the thing that I love about this is it puts the believer in this place of we can walk in our authority and we can walk in our confidence as believers without entering into pride because we can't take any credit for it. And so we actually get to walk around and be like, because of Jesus, because of the man whose image, the, the God in whose image I am made, I am royalty. I carry authority. I carry power. The same power that was Jesus Christ from the dead lives in me. You get to walk in the confidence of Christ without entering into pride because you can't take any credit for it. It's all because of him. It's all because you were made in his image. Are you, are you getting this? It's the, it's the painting that, paints, that points to the painter. It's the sculpture that paints to the sculptor. And it's you and I, the created, that points to the creator. You know that, that thing you never say in a marriage, right? In a heated moment. And, you're, you're, and this, is, this is nothing to do with my parents-in-law, okay? Just, this is a, a common phrase. <laughs> It's a common phrase, so please do not draw some sort of connection here. Because you're not talking about, when you say this phrase, you're not talking about the good things, but you know you're in a heated moment, and you're like, you're just like your mother. You're just like your father. And you don't, again, you don't mean the good things. Yeah, they're sitting a little sad. I, I, had to, I gave you some context to, 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 to know. They're, they're not meaning like, the good and the beautiful things, they're meaning, of, meaning like a very specific things, and you just kind of want to twist the knife in a little bit, right? It's terrible. Don't do it. Don't recommend it. And, um, but in this kingdom, it's like we, we, we only have the utmost pride for him in whose image we were created, that you, were, that you look just like your daddy, that you look just like your father, that you were created in his image. Like the, the only response of the heart is, wow, thank you, God. I'm so grateful. I'm proud of who you made me to be. And the significance for us in all of this, the significance in these verses and this reality of this series is that you are not a mistake. You are not a mistake. You're not an accident. You are not the byproduct of some failed design. And you are certainly not some accidental big explosion and microevolution over billions of years but you have been meticulously crafted and created in the image of God. You're the greatest masterpiece this world has ever known. Psalms 139, verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, 
when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. I love all this grandeur. It just, oh, it just adds to the beauty of, our, of us and how he created us. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. When's the last time you thought this about yourself? You looked in the mirror and you're like, that's who I am. That's who I was created to be. The reality of being made in his image is this should change the way that we perceive ourselves. This should change the way that we consider our very beings. And we should look in the mirror and be like, I'm amazing. God made me. I'm awesome. Right? Are y'all with me? One thing I, I learned from working with teenagers for close to 10 years here is our teenagers often, their natural bend, the natural thing that they're wired towards is being incredibly judgmental and negative towards themselves. And so we could, we would often preach on identity, we'd we preach on um, uh, our sonship in, in Christ, and we could ask the room, and we often did over the years, and we would say, who in the room, put up your hand if you would say that you are incredibly hard on judgmental on yourself. And pretty much every time, most of the room would put their hand up. And this is just something that we give into and we allow and we don't keep whose image we were made in in context. And this has been so much of my life. Something that I've had to walk with the Lord. I've, that was me as a teenager, being, being hard on myself, having a deep love for the Lord, caring for him, understanding these things, but then still just being difficult and hard on myself. And it's so easy, isn't it, sometimes, to listen to those voices, to listen to the, and, and believe all the worst things about yourself rather than listen to who does he say that I am. To pray that incredibly power, powerful prayer and just allow the Lord to say, who do you say that I am? And allow the waterfall of the Lord's affirmation to wash over you. And there's this, this tension and this battle that we live in, the battlefield of the mind, where are we going to believe whose image we are created in, our very design, and what that means for us as believers, or are we going to listen to the deceiver? 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Not just the bad thoughts, all the thoughts. <laughs> and submit them to Christ. This verse puts the onus on us as the believers to take these thoughts captive. You have the authority to take these thoughts captive. You have it in you. It's right there. You ever have one of those weird intrusive thoughts and you're like, that is not even me. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. <laughs> it's just like, it's almost comical how hard the devil's working. Are y'all with me? We need to understand whose we are and whose image we bear. And this was the issue in the garden, right? When the when they partook of the fruit and the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And they were naked and unashamed. And all of a sudden, the one thing that switches, they're, they're now naked and ashamed. 
as sin and shame enters the world, the first thing they do is question the very nature of who they are. It's like this is the original, original issue that entered the world. I'm now questioning who I am, my very physical being and who I am and my nakedness. And as the Lord says, like, where are you? And they say we were naked and afraid and ashamed, so we hid. He says to them, who told you you were naked? The issue becomes whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you listening to? Because if you ask my opinion, you're doing just fine and you look beautiful. So whose voice are we going to listen to? Turn with me to Acts 23. Verse 20. I'm sorry, I don't know why I said Acts 23. Acts 27. I remember reading this a long, long time ago. There's something in particular that stuck out to me I want to bring this morning. But this moment, Paul is a prisoner on a Roman centurion ship. He's going to appeal to Caesar. And they're caught in this hurricane-level storm, this incredibly bad and difficult storm. And they're caught on it for days and end, days on end, and their, their hope is dwindling. They're, with, they're without food. They're They're throwing cargo overboard. They're considering killing all the prisoners so that in case they shipwreck, none can, you know, somehow escape and swim to shore. In verse 20, it says, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid. Paul, you must be brought before Caesar And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told to me. I remember reading this passage many years ago, and this verse jumped out at me on the page, that in this moment of distress, in this moment where the the centurions were ready to slay all the prisoners, the thing that Paul had and the thing that Paul was standing upon was right here in verse 23, and he says, the angel of the Lord came to me of the God to whom I belong. And I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, it could have been natural for him to say the God whom I serve, but he went out of his way to not only say the God whom I serve, but the God of whom I belong. And it's like in the midst of this storm, Paul understood I belong to the Lord, and therefore I understand my authority in this moment over the storm. It reminds me of Jesus taking a nap in the storm because he knew who he was. He knew that those wind and those waves were submitted to him. (laughs) 
So he just took a nap while his disciples were freaking out. It's this certainty in the midst of this storm that is rooted in belonging. When we understand our image, when we understand whose we are and whom we belong to, everything changes. We're more secure in who we are. We don't have to prove ourselves so much. We understand our authority, that all authority has been given to to Jesus and he's given it to us. It's like this is the foundation that changes the believer's life when we get this. That's why I'm excited for these next four weeks. I'm excited for your preach next week because I know the topic is going to be awesome. And so we got some, we got some fun stuff coming. I'm, my job is just to lay the groundwork, so, you know. This is what we're trying to grasp. And if we grasp this, we'll also bear the fruit of Jesus' life better. 1 Corinthians 13 says the greatest attribute the believer could ever have is what? Come on, some of y'all went to Sunday school. Is love. Thank you. It's love. The greatest attribute that the believer could have. There's so many beautiful things, but this one thing is love. John 13, 35 says the world, this is Jesus speaking, the world will know we are his disciples by the way we love one another. Matthew 22, 37 through 40 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If we understand this, like truly understand that, that all creation was made in the image of God, we'll stop throwing stones of judgment at God's beautiful kids. Without a, without a sort of like, yeah, but, right? Because we love our yeah, buts. <laughs> Yeah, but this person is extra terrible, Lord. (laughs) We're trying to convince him as if he doesn't know and love them. But we know his will. His will is that what? That none shall perish. His desire is for all. His heart is for all people, all flesh. And so when we understand this, when we understand that humanity was created in the image of God, we, we no longer have permission to curse humanity but to bless humanity, to pray for our enemies, to, to bless those who curse us. Like, this is, this is the task. When we understand our image, we should produce the fruit of compassion, love, and kindness, and empathy for the world around us. And when we dehumanize somebody, when we, when we point the finger, when we speak Ill, Ill things towards them or speak hate, we are putting down that which God has made. And I'm not saying, obviously we understand that, that sin has entered the world, that sin and sickness, and some people have gotten their identities all out of whack. But I'm saying at the, f- the core, the fundamental of a person, they are somebody who is made in the design of God, in the image of our beautiful creator. And the same goes for you and I, right? The same goes for us. As, as my students over the years admitted that, it's often the same in adults, that we can be incredibly hard on ourselves. But we must understand, even if we've born, been born into difficult things, even if we've had a hard upbringing, even if we've had a hard few years, we must understand that at our core, we are made in his image and we are worthy of his love and acceptance because he said so. 
It's not because I'm telling you. It's not because I have a microphone. It's, be, it's because it's in the word of God. And it's because Jesus was willing to give his life for you. And he is determined that you are worthy of love. Are you all with me? Imagine for a moment, we are touring the Van Gogh Museum. Any art fans in the room? Okay, a few more art fans than Planet Earth fans. <laughs> Imagine we're at the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam. Jess and I have been there. It's beautiful. And before we go in, you're telling me how much you love Van Gogh. You're gushing about Van Gogh. You're saying, I love his brushwork. I love his use of vibrant colors. Everything this man does is incredible. I'm, ex- I'm so excited to be here. And then we're walking around, and we're looking at different paintings. And painting after painting, you're telling me the things that you hate about those paintings. And you're like, oh, this one. This one's bad. I don't know what he was thinking here. He is... This is, this is really not good. And then we go to another one, and yeah, this one's not good, and this one's not good. And I'm thinking, wait a second, I thought you loved Van Gogh. But painting after painting after painting, you're telling me all the things you can't stand about these paintings. And it won't be long before I no longer trust the validity of what you first said. How often are we putting ourselves down And are we actually communicating a language that we don't trust who God has made? That we don't trust the creator and his job in creating us? That we don't actually fundamentally believe that God did a good job when he made us? It's like it's something that was just so important, is so core that we have to understand. You are beautiful, you are incredible, you are uniquely made. He didn't make a mistake when he made you. It becomes often a trust issue. And if we're not careful, rather than walking in the authority and sonship of Christ, we'll live a life trying to be something we're not. So how can we do this? How can we walk in our identity as Christ in this image and overcome our biases and distortions of our godly image? Romans 12.2 says, I beseech you, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, say renewing, of your mind. This verse in 2 Corinthians 10.5, as we read earlier, they acknowledge that there is this renewing and sanctification of our mind that that needs to take place, right? That the enemy loves to throw his fiery darts, that loves to creep in and try to say, say horrible things about us. And we often partner with the enemy and we say horrible things against ourselves. But the, what the Bible is asking us to do, is telling us to do, is to take those thoughts captive and submit them to Jesus. Is to renew our minds. And as we renew our minds, as we read the word, as we worship, as we do all these things we're going to get into in a moment, we are transformed. Our very understanding and perception of ourselves is transformed. So practically, get intimate with the Lord if you're taking notes. Number one, get intimate with the Lord by actively engaging in, in spiritual disciplines such as prayer. Talk with him. Speak with him. 
And most importantly, listen to him. Take the time to say, Lord, who do you say I am? When I was feeling all sorts of horrible, when I was feeling all sorts of down, I loved to pray that prayer. Say, Lord, who do you say that I am? Because right now I can't really see it. When I was a young man, I've shared this before, but the Lord prompted me. When I was a young man and I was struggling with a pornography addiction, the Lord would meet me as I would weep on the floor, feeling shame for what I did, and I'd be crying on the floor. And he would say to me, over and over and over again, he would, he would say, Aaron, you have such a pure heart. And I remember the first time he said it, I'll never forget it, and I said to the Lord, I said, how can you say that? As if challenging the Lord is a good idea. And I said, how can you say that? This thing that I've done feels anything but pure. And he just, he basically just lovingly ignored me and he kept saying, son, you have such a pure heart. And he continued to call the gold out he saw. When we spend time with Jesus, when we run to him, even in the midst of our sin and shame, he is going to lavish the voice of love and the voice of truth over you. Because he does not see you as your sin because of what Jesus did on the cross, but he sees you as that person who was made in the image of his father. So speak with him, listen to him. Give him the opportunity to set the record straight. Meditate on the word of God. Listen, if Jesus used this to combat the enemy, it's maybe something we should consider. To understand this, to meditate, meditate on Psalms 139. Meditate on how meticulous and, and how he took his time and crafted you and made you beautifully. When you're feeling like I'm, I'm nothing, just take some time. Dive into the word of God. It's powerful, powerful truths. Worship him. As we worship him, we are transformed. As we, as we actively take our eyes off of ourselves and set our eyes onto him, we are transformed in that beautiful place. And lastly, a Fellowship with other believers. The beauty of this, this series and what Jess was saying and what we're celebrating is we are all made in his image. And we have all been made one body through what Jesus did, through the adoption into the, into the kingdom of heaven, into the heavenly family. And so lean into other believers. Allow them to speak into your lives, to tell you when you're being a knucklehead, to tell you when you believe in all sorts of stupid things about yourself. It's powerful, even as I was feeling nervous a little bit to come up here and, and, and preach, because that often happens. It never quite goes away, ever. And, and my, father, my, my father-in-law was just putting a hand on me and just praying and speaking, speaking beautiful truth over me. And it's, it's like to be there for one another, to pray for one another, to lift one another up. That's why I wanted to say that. There is such power in it, everybody. Secondly, reject Conformity. Be satisfied with being different than the world around you. Celebrate it. Yeah, be happy with it. Be glad. <laughs> the world often promotes values and behaviors that are contrary to God's principles. As image bearers of God, we are called to reject conformity to these worldly standards and instead live according to the standards of the Scripture. If you live one foot in the world and one foot out, you will be uncomfortable and you will be angsty and you will have anxiousness and you will have shame because you're not meant to. It's like, it just, it doesn't work. <laughs> and we need people with discernment and a willingness to stand firm on their faith, even when it goes against cultural norms. Amen.
So remember who you are. You're the son of the most high God. And that means we're to walk in his, sac- his ways of sacrificial love, forgiveness, humility, integrity, qualities that reflect the char- character of God and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not the ways of this world. Reject lying, gossiping, slandering, bitterness, selfishness. They just don't suit us. They don't match our godly complexions. <laughs> and, and thirdly, live surrendered. This act of humility, live surrendered. And say, Lord, all of, all of who I am, my future, everything, it's all yours. Jess was reminding us last week to pursue his will for our lives. And it's like, it's such a hum- humbling thing to understand, Lord, I'm made in your image. All that I have is yours. My very life, the very breath in this dust-formed shape has been given because of you. And so, Lord, I submit my life to you. I will live fully surrendered to you. John 15, 1 says, I am the true vine. My father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that he may bear more fruit. We need to understand that the Father prunes out of love. When we understand that we were made in his image and that he, he uniquely and beautifully and powerfully loves us, we will no longer see his, his pruning as cruel, but we'll see it as loving. When we remind ourselves, oh, he loves me, as John Arna has famously said, he loves you just the way that you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you the way that you are. And what kind of a parent would, be, would we be it's one thing to let a child play in the backyard or on the sidewalk or maybe you live in a quiet neighborhood like, and playing on the kind of neighborhood road. But how many parents in this room would let their child play on a busy highway? Now think of the severity of sin and the seriousness of sin. What kind of a God would allow us to, to get on this highway, if you will, for me, I'm just trying to take this image a little further, and that sin is those, those vehicles flying at high speeds wanting to kill you and take your life. And so he prunes us in his kindness and in his great love because he's an incredibly loving father and he loves you like crazy. Thank you, Lord. Lastly, I want to say this, that your first and primary identity is a son or a daughter of the Most High. Your first and primary identity, everything else flows from that place. Galatians 3.28 or 3.26 actually says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This world, this culture, this political season coming up will try to put us into all sorts of camps. And if we don't understand this, that first and foremost, the image and identity that matters in the church, and I mean the global church, is that you were made in his image. That first and foremost, you are a son and a daughter of the Most High. It's not, 
I'm, I'm Jew or I'm Greek or I'm, I'm Republican, I'm Democrat, I'm this, I'm that. It's that you are a son of God. And there's beauty in that. There's celebrated diversity in things that we're doing this month. I'm not negating those things, but I'm saying that the first and primary identity is that we are his sons and daughters. Are you all with me? <laughs> I became an American citizen last year. And, yeah, shock baba. And uh, I am proud to be an American. If y'all need to hear me say that, there you go. I am proud to be an American. I really am. And probably part of that is that I feel really called here by the Lord, and I just don't probably see myself ever going back to Canada. And so, like, I know in my heart this is my home. And I soon get to contribute in American election and all that and throw my hat into a certain camp and pray about it and ask the Lord. But even amidst all that, amidst the pride that I feel in that, my, my first citizenship is with heaven. And my first loyalty is with heaven. And that will never change. Our loyalty is with the kingdom of heaven, is with the body of believers. Whew. It's time to be the confident sons and daughters of God that we are, that we are called to be. So I want to say over you that he's never made a mis- mistake and you are no exception. You are his created one, full of his power and authority and love, and he is consistently committed, never faltering for you. And I want to challenge you this morning to live with this belief in mind over this series, to let this be the foundation to meditate on this, meditate on the reality that you are made in the image of God, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you need to do that thing, I remember it was like a trend a while ago, you need to go get some Sharpies or maybe not Sharpies, washable markers, and write on your mirror some truths and declarations about yourself to renew your mind if you're struggling with this. Whatever it is, whatever that looks like for you, meditating on Scripture, on worship, on prayer, remind yourself whose image you were made in and what that means for you. The security you can have in your destiny and whose you are and your authority in not needing to prove yourself in showing love to the world around you because they too are made in his image. Let this be the baseline for our Christian walk. Would you stand with me? I felt the Lord say that, as I was praying for today, that he just wanted to retrain some of our minds. So I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes just for another moment or two. Come before him. And I want you to ask that brave question to the Lord. Are there ways or things, or thoughts that I've been thinking towards myself that don't line up with what you say about me. And just ask him, listen. Some statistics say that 80% of the human's thoughts, the 60 to 70,000 thoughts we have, are negative. 
And I don't know about you, but with the power of Jesus and his Holy Spirit, I don't want to be part of that statistic. <laughs> and so just ask him, Lord, is there, are there thoughts that I've been thinking and allowing about myself, or maybe even about somebody else, a group of people, that do not line up with your best And as the Lord reveals those things to you, just pray a simple prayer. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. Repent for these lies that I've taken on as an identity or that I've believed over myself that are not true, that don't line up with your truth. Would you forgive me? And as you've said that prayer to the Lord, just say to him, Lord, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And just listen. I don't want to challenge you. Some of you might need to write this down after and meditate on this. But just ask him, who do you say that I am? Lord, I thank you for your bride, your beautiful bride made up of so many different people, beautiful people. And Lord, I ask that today you would begin to set us on a better path as you rewire our brain, that we would think your thoughts about ourselves, that we would not partner with the thoughts of the enemy and the accuser, but we would be quick to recognize those accusing thoughts and to submit them to you in your lordship and what you say. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would guide each and every single one of us to hear your voice, to listen to your words over us like we've never done before and watch the fruit of our lives that comes in return. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.